Hello all, welcome to Millennial Perspectives. This is our fifth episode. Glad you guys could tune in this week. My name is Kyle Kaka, and this is... Tony Tedisco. And we are Millennial Perspectives. Now, we have a really, really good episode for you guys this week. Uh, we are going to be talking about our usual uh, politics and news section. We're going to be talking about uh, recent music that we've listened to or music that we have listened to in the past. It's really good. We're going to be talking about tech news and then also our thought of the day, which will not have to do anything with space. So if you guys wanted to change there, uh, you have come to the right place. All right. So our uh, first subject of today is going to be gun control. Mm -hmm. So me and Kyle, we obviously we always do our research and um, we do it for educational purposes so that so people who are not following up on politics or things like this in this nature can uh, get both sides of uh, every argument that we have. And you know, sometimes me and Kyle agree on small things. We haven't agreed on anything big, sure. uh, but sure. maybe, maybe uh, one day. So um, I'll start it out. So I'm against more gun control, as you would expect. Um, I don't think it's good to take guns away from good law by uh, lawful citizens. I, I just don't think it's a good thing because it just makes it easier for the bad guys. So, um, you know, I've heard the term common sense gun control, like, you know, taking away the assault rifles and, like, the semi-automatics. I mean, yeah, I'm... I don't agree with that at all. I don't think that's doing anything. Um, but basically the theory is on the left is that fewer guns equals less uh, gun crime, which I don't believe with. Uh, even Senator Howard, uh, I, don't even, I can't even pronounce his last name, Metzen Bomb, I can't pronounce his last name. He, he quoted, if you don't ban all guns, if you don't ban all guns, you might as well ban none of them because it's not going to do anything. And I mean, as all of you know this, the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms. I mean, so you can't take that away completely and it's just going against our rights. But um, they actually did a study where gun ban gun banning is completely unpopular. It failed in two of the most liberal states, both California and Massachusetts. It failed in 1982 for California and 1976 in Massachusetts and no attempts have been able to ban it since. So, I mean, obviously, no one's in favor of getting rid of it. You know, people are like, well, we're not trying to get rid of it. You know, we're just trying to lessen it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's always been proven over the course of American history that gun confiscation has never worked to perfection. I mean, I know some countries do have it. I know Britain, you can't even own a handgun. Like, if you want to own one, like, that's a big deal. And, like, their crime rate is completely up. Um, and even sometimes taking away guns can make things worse. A 2007 International Small Arms Survey studied 72 countries that attempted to enforce gun confiscation or registration of its citizens, and about uh, one-third of gun owners complied with the law, but two-thirds of them didn't because they didn't believe in that. So that, so people are already going to defy the law, which technically I don't agree with defying the law, but I agree with owning arms. So... If you think about this, if Americans defy gun bans at just half the international rate, then you should expect tens of millions of guns to be on the black market because criminals are going to get guns anyway, no matter what. So why would you want to make it harder for citizens to get guns? Like law-abiding. I don't believe that if you 
are like killing people you get out of jail you should be allowed to have a gun like that makes sense like you need background checks i just don't think it needs to be harder than it actually is um but i mean my real question to you because i don't really have too too much to say because it's a very short topic i mean i mean that's just but my main question is here Mm -hmm. if the supply control is the answer you know supply control um describe precisely the full program of supply side policies you propose to stop the gun crimes that we all hate then tell us how these policies will also allow lawful gun owners to keep and protect themselves with firearms. And the problem is, if you can't square these two things straight, then you must convince the American people that they are better off under policies that will disarm good people in a fruitless attempt to keep bad men from getting guns. So you need to explain to me how you're going to be able to do this. Because if you can't, then it's going to fail. Okay. And that's really what I have. I don't really have too much more else to say because it's pretty a simple concept. Uh, but that's really my big question to you. Okay. What precisely we must do because you're not going to be able to keep both happy, and you have to respect our constitution. Well, yeah, it's you know from my perspective, it's all about um, you know trying to find a, a happy balance because you know there's this common misconception, I at least in my opinion, among the right that. Um, that all people on the left want to take all guns away, uh, take every gun off the street, right. and, and do things like that. And that's something that we're not that, that people on the left are not trying to do. Okay. You know, people on the left, from my perspective, from you know, from my research, um, they they want to enact people who are in favor of common sense, quote unquote, gun control. They don't want to take away all guns, anything like that. They want to make it harder to get guns because in my in my research, America is one of the more violent countries in mm-hmm. terms of shootings yeah. in the Western world, and that's and that's not good. You know, people no. die from from you know from such mass shootings and stuff like that. Um, you know, we've become uh, no strangers to such mass shootings, which I think has become very um, you know very sad because it's not really news anymore um, when something like a mass shooting happens. I mean, you take Sandy Hook for example. Sandy right. Hook, yeah. uh, San Bernardino, uh, the shooting at the um, at the gay nightclub in Orlando, which was I believe was last terrible. June. Yeah. yeah. It was it was just awful, and from my perspective, I am not in favor of banning all guns. Okay. I think that if people want to have guns, they should be able to. But from my perspective, having guns should be very hard to get, and the statistics sh- you know prove it in, How hard? in my research. Can you explain that? Well, I, I'm not I'm not sure if I can quantify that in such a, a way because I'm not in the gun industry. Okay. I don't, I don't okay. know too much about right. guns. Okay. Yeah. But just off the data that I found, here here is my opinion. So, okay. I was I researched this article or this this research by a Stanford law professor John Donahue. Okay. And this was a recent study that came out in July of this year. And his analysis. Now he used a relatively new uh, statistical model, which is called making a synthetic state. And I'll get to that in one second. Um, but basically, his analysis shows that violent crime in RTC states, and RTC stands for right to carry, his, his analysis shows that violent crime in right to carry states was estimated to be 13 to 15% higher over a period of 10 years than it would have had, or I'm sorry, than it would have been had the state not adopted the law. So basically, from, from my research, from my side, there's this common thought among the right that really expanded in the middle of the 1990s, right, as we were you know, being born and stuff like that, um, that more guns in the hands of quote-unquote good people mean less crime. But this study actually refutes that theory. 
so I'll actually explain it more. So Donahue's synthetic control approach is actually a research method now widely applied in economics and political science. It uses an algorithm that combines crime patterns from several non-right-to-carry states or during the time before states adopted right-to-carry to create an artificial or synthetic state that can compare states with RTC laws versus states without RTC laws. And he found that RTC states had aggregate violent crime rates around 7% higher than the synthetic states five years after RTC laws passed. And after 10 years, the gap increased to almost 15%, like I just said. So in the research I have found, more guns can actually mean more crime. If, if you have more guns on the streets, even in the hands of quote-unquote good people, you know, stuff happens. Also, I found another thing. Um, this was off a, a 2015 article off the Rolling Stone. There, and, and the article was called Four Pro-Gun Arguments That We Are Sick Of Hearing. And that may sound a little brutal, but this article does have research behind it. So it's, it's, it's like I said before, you know, there's this common misconception that if there is a mass shooting, there, there can always be someone, a quote-unquote good guy or a good girl, who can come in a situation who has a firearm on him or her and can stop a situation from happening. Now, that's a good idea in theory, but I think it's very idealistic because no mass shootings in the past 30 years have been stopped by an armed civilian. Because you have to think of it like this. Every mass shooting that happens, you think they are, or they are, very messy, very chaotic. You don't really know what's happening. You have very little time to react. If there is a mass shooter, let's say, let's say James Holmes, the, the, the um, gunman that opened fire in a uh, Colorado movie theater several years ago, who is now, um, I believe, in a life, or yeah, sense to life in yeah. prison. He was a really, really messed up individual. Someone can say, someone, you know, some representative from the National Rifle Association or anyone can say, well, if someone had a gun in that situation, he would have stopped him. Well, I, I don't believe in my heart that that's a very good argument, because... If, if there's someone in that movie theater that has a gun, who has a right to carry, you, you always have a chance of, if he or she was trying to stop the gunman, you might hit a civilian. You might hit someone who's not even involved in the shooting. It's great to think that they would stop the shooter, but it's not that simple because there are more people around you. Now, the last point I'm going to make before Tony and I start going back and forth about this is you referenced the you referenced the Second Amendment, and right. everything related to the Constitution, I totally respect. You know, it's 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 the law of the land, and it should be it should be respected. And I do not disagree with that at all. However, I will make a point that the Second Amendment was written during a time when there were only muskets, and it was also written during a time when the American people and the American government feared that Britain would come back and try to take over the country. I believe now. I mean, the Second Amendment is open to interpretation. It's been debated by people on the left and the right. But from my personal opinion, from my side of things, the Second Amendment was written during a time when there was no such thing as weapons of mass destruction. You know, there were no, there were no machine guns, there were no AR-15s, there were no anything like that. It was just muskets and really whatever you had in your, in your closet at that point, you know, swords or, or, or whatever. And I believe that the Second Amendment was written to protect the American citizens from a potential attack from Britain to keep a well-regulated militia in case Britain did come back and try to invade our country again. And the Founding Fathers could not have possibly foreseen the destruction that machine guns and other things, weapons of mass destruction have had in our society today in terms of mass shootings. So 
I, I think when people reference the Second Amendment, they're they're missing that key fact. So that's from okay. my side. Okay. Well, I have a few things to go against what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying mass shootings and you're like, well, even if someone had a gun, but here's the thing. Imagine if everyone had a gun. Mm -hmm. If it was, e like, not easier, but you have to still do your background checks. Mm -hmm. And I know plenty of people who, if they had a gun, they're trained. You have to be trained. There's, you can't do this. So they're trained in a situation. Why else would you get a gun unless to protect yourself? So I don't think I agree with the fact that, you know, maybe you do get nervous, maybe something like that, but you're trained. And if you really want to be a gun owner, I think that you would be trained to act in that situation. You know, I mean, what do you got to do? I mean, I don't, th I think that it is possible that a civilian could get hit, but I think it's very, uh, it's it's low and very unlikely because you're going to be pointing. You got to be careful. Um, I also think that um, you're like you know the Second Amendment was written uh, during a time where we thought Britain was going to attack us, so they were very ignorant because they don't know what's going to happen in the future, mm -hmm. obviously. But so you're like protecting from Britain because you think they might come back, whereas mm -hmm. it still applies today because the Second Amendment is protecting us from people who might harm us still. So you just validated my point because it's still meant to protect us. It's just a different threat now. So just because it's not Britain doesn't mean that there aren't many threats out there. I think there are more threats walking around and walking around on a daily basis because what does a murderer look like? You don't know. It could be anyone. See, that's the well, problem but, I have with it. But there are more threats, I think, just walking around. I mean, I, you know, I feel like even women experience it more. They feel uncomfortable, and I feel like they would feel more safe with a gun. And before you respond, I just have one question. If you're a robber, mm -hmm. okay, and you have a gun, and you're going to go rob a bank, mm -hmm. right? And you know for a fact this one bank doesn't have guns. But then there's another bank that's next to it because it's a weird map, <laughs> and they all have guns. Which one are you going to rob? Well, obviously the first one. Right. So it makes sense to arm the people because no, the crime rate's going to go down. You, it, I mean, I know your statistics showed otherwise, but I mean, I'm pretty sure I read, I, I don't have the article up, but I read in Sweden, they everyone has like machine guns there, and their crime rate is basically zero. It's and also why, a very different culture, though. Very different culture, but we're just specifically talking about guns as well. But but your, your argument is is very, it's it has a certain point to it, but I think it's... I, it's very idealistic. It's it's not like, practical because it's it's impractical. You said I, I believe it is. Like and what part of it is respectfully? I think it's impractical. Well, no, yeah, and, no. And, and the reason why is because the studies have shown that now it, it's it's already an idealistic thought to think that you know people if you if so many people in one room have guns and they're well-meaning people and they want to stop an attacker, that's all fine and good. And I I believe that training does go a long way. But when you're in the heat, now training, training I believe can only go such a long way. I think that if you're training to be a responsible gun owner, you're not, you're not entrusted into any real life situation. Sure. And there are some people who might pass training with flying colors, but when it comes to the real thing and they feel like they want to be the hero and they want to stop a potential attacker from doing anything, anything might happen. Yeah, you know, right. they, they, could, they could terribly misfire even though even though they might not mean it. And I just, I just believe that you know, if, if more people have guns, it's, it's not just common sense, but the, studies, I mean, but the statistics have shown through recent algorithms and, and you know, models that more guns does, in fact, equal more crime. Can I, can I give you, I'm going to give you a quote okay. from Adolf Hitler himself. Oh, gosh. Adolf Hitler once said, 
that to conquer a nation, you must first disarm its citizens. So when you take away, and what he did it, he accomplished but, it. But here, hold I, on, I he accomplished he accomplished it though. Mm-hmm. So, and I believe there's another quote that disarming the people is the first step to tyranny. Which Adolf Hitler, who is a, a tyrant, he's a dictator, mm-hmm. said to conquer a nation, you must first disarm its citizens. So they go with each other. So you can't tell me that more guns is going to cause a problem because. It, I mean, quote. I mean, it doesn't show because I've already told you that um, banning guns or even attempting to has never worked perfectly, and it doesn't lower crime rate because it's a it's an it's an idea that looks nice on paper, but it never works. But 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 you you also forget to mention that I I said before I actually started making my argument that I was never in favor of banning guns. Completely. I, I never said banning guns completely. I said, I said even restricting guns. With well, any sort also, of way, it you, doesn't work perfectly. You you said banning them, right? You, but then you, I, you, you said taking guns away, or you said that as a blanket statement from Hitler himself, right? So, well, no, yeah, you must. Disarm, think, that's the quote. But I'm talking about with statistics that when they try, when all these other countries who have tried to either uh, confiscate gun or like registration that or regi- register them or anything, it has never worked perfectly, and there has always been some form of backlash. Well, there, I mean, there's always going to be some sort of you know backlash. I mean, I, I, there's there's nothing in a in a vacuum that is going to work perfectly. My thing is that you don't want to ban guns completely. No. But you also you also want to make it harder because my numbers have shown, well researched numbers have shown. That if you have more guns in in a state, that state will have more, a lot more, or a much higher chance of aggregate okay. violent crime rates. Okay. So the last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to go back to my question. Okay. So if you're saying the supply control is the the answer, you know, making it harder, mm-hmm. then describe precisely what kind of program on the supply side or, or for, of the supply side policies you propose to stop the gun crimes that are also going to allow lawful gun owners to keep and protect themselves with firearms. How are you precisely going to do that? Because like I said before, if you can't square these two things, then you have to literally convince every American that they're better are they're better off under policies that would disarm good people. Well, and, and so, that's, and that's not, but that's what you're going to have to do because if you well, don't have an answer for that or a policy for it, you have to you have to convince them because you're going to have to change the mindset of the entire American people that they're better off without guns, which isn't going to happen. Well, no, of, of course it's not going to happen. So I, there I, I you mean, go. Gun, gun culture, but gun culture is is very is very big in this country. However, I I think. You're you're arguing from an extreme point of view, and that, extreme. And that's that well, no, and, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that you're from from a one-sided thing, like you know, keep banning guns, stuff like that. What's going to happen if you try to change the culture? There, there's there's no trying to ban guns. There's no trying to you know get guns completely off the streets because I you know even I admit that there are people, well-meaning gun owners that are that are in this country and they want to keep their guns and they're and they. You know, and they'll never be harmful towards other people, but so. That, but but okay, so. that's 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 it's not it's not how the world works though. Just because there are some people that are well-meaning, it doesn't mean that there are other people that are. You know, there, there's always going to be people that ruin things for everybody else, and for okay. the people, for, yeah. the, for the potential mass shooters, and for the people who want to inflict harm on others, they ruin it for all the responsible gun owners, who who do not want to cause any harm so, so what do we do my my thing is that i think you have to I, I think you have to toughen background checks 
I think course. you have to. I think there has to be longer waiting periods to to purchase firearms. It's it's not all because it's already what it's like three days. Once you purchase a gun, once you're able to, you have to wait three days because you can't just walk in and buy a gun. So well, how long? yeah, obviously, but it's it is for for as for as violent as as guns are. I think that it's still. It's still it's it's still relatively easy to get a gun in this country, and I, I think it should be otherwise. I think it should be, you know, you, you really have to you have to go through mental health checks and you have to go through well, background yeah. checks because, and but even more so even well, like what ones. like you're not giving well, me I mean, specifics. Not, well, like, but, but like I, how are we gonna fix this? Like I don't understand. I'm not I'm not in the gun industry. <laughs> I'm not in mental health. I'm just saying from a from a from an idealistic standpoint more. More things have to get done to make guns harder to purchase. All right. Well, so so we really root out the bad people who want to get guns. Well, yeah. In, in order for we we have to add more filters in place so we only have good people or more good people because no system is going to be perfect. So we can have more good people instead of more bad people owning firearms. I mean, in this I mean it's a nice way to think that you would want more good people, but you know I. I don't. I don't agree the way that you're going about it. But hey, that's okay. just me. That's okay. you. Know, that's you. I, we're not gonna no, agree yeah. on it again. We agree on some small things. Mm-hmm. But hey, that's what we guys that's, got. That's okay. um, anything else you gotta point out? Um, um, no, no. No. Just, 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 just let us know what you think on Twitter because we're yeah. uh, more than happy to uh, answer any questions you guys have or uh, any potential criticisms or anything yeah. like that. So definitely, yeah. yeah. So that's just my opinion. That's Kyle's opinion as well. Take yeah. it from. Uh, us and also do your own research you know don't just take it just from us you know it we really promote uh, looking up stuff doing your research and all that stuff so you can be well educated about it because me and Kyle do that we do a couple days worth of few you know just making sure that we have the facts down um, so we really encourage you guys to do that as well um, even though we know this is pretty easy to just listen and pick a side so we really want you guys to have your own opinion and do all that stuff but moving on from that we're going to go on to let's go on technology I think we went on music last week so let's move on to technology okay um, so um, Kyle you want to start off uh, yes yeah, so okay. um, I found this piece of news relatively recently it's about Amazon okay um, so I found this article yes Amazon it's going to take over the world breaking my bank account oh yeah definitely um, TechCrunch uh, is an article that I like to go on uh, to get my tech news for this podcast and the headline says Amazon said to be exploring refrigeration free prepared meal tech wait repaired what Refrigeration-free prepared meal technology. Really? Yes, that's a mouthful, but I'm going to explain what that is. So, according to TechCrunch, Amazon is looking at using technology originally designed for the military to create meals that are ready for consumption that do not require any refrigeration. This would help make them much easier to manage from an inventory and logistics standpoint, since warehousing and transportation needs would be far less complex. So... You know, it, it doesn't really go into too many specifics, but this is just another instance I, I think of Amazon just completely blowing the rest of the competition out of the water because they, they keep they keep finding ways to advance where other companies do not. And I, I just think that Amazon is so incredible like that because really, if you think about it, Amazon is is almost single handedly, you they're, know, they're, getting department stores out of business and, and they're really enhancing what it means to shop. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, you saw that they bought bought Whole Foods. Yes, definitely. So I mean, because uh-huh. Whole Foods was going down, and now you're gonna be able to grocery shop online. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna be ridiculous. It's it's crazy. I, I just think that it's it's really just a 
a revolution that Amazon, I, I think, has earned. I mean, actually, um, Jeff Bezos, who is the chief executive officer of Amazon, was actually just named the richest man in the world. He uh, at uh, 90, really? $90 billion. Richest yeah, man in the world? Even higher than Gates and Buffett. Wow. And the, and the guy He's from Mexico. Yeah, Carlos Slim, I think his name is. But wow. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I found, I found this meme where it was a picture of him in 1998 and then him in 2017. 1998, he was in like a, like a nerdy outfit. And the caption was... Um, I, I sell books and in 2017 <laughs> I sell whatever the hell I want right. which is very true I, I think do you know that's behind their logo from like you know how there's a smile yeah but Amazon it's selling everything from A to Z yeah. so the smile goes from A to Z it's so this is amazing. great it's wow. amazing that's amazing. That's yeah. actually really interesting. Yeah, so uh, Amazon is killing the game once again, potentially. It's, it's just in, it's just in a, a, a process, but if it happens, it, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what goes uh, on with that. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so for my technology, it's not really, I guess, uh, it's technology, but it's not anything uh, new, I guess. Um, it's actually dealing with record sales. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and Kyle have, or well, Kyle now has a record player. I do. Um, it's and he's vinyl. Um, so I've been researching, and it looks like record and vinyl sales and record player sales are up higher than it's ever been, like in its entire life, even back when it was popular. So millennials are buying it, I believe it said at three times the rate that people used to, because I guess they want that quality sound. Um, that I haven't got mine yet. I just bought mine off Amazon. Amazon represent. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon to Prime, two-day mm-hmm. shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, can't wait. Um but they say they have it has a warmer sound, and I guess these uh, us millennials are really wanting to go back to that retro feel and see how music is. And they're saying that they don't want these MP3 or these digitally compressed music audio. And like you, even you said, you said you got someone's album, and you said it sounded so much better. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you, that's no. just impressive how we can go from something that's like so old school and like it's not even really convenient honestly it's not and then just bring it back to life and everyone's just buying it yeah and, and you know if, if i can touch on that yeah. i totally agree with that because i i think you know bringing bringing retro things back into the full i, I think is such a is it's really it's, it's such a good thing to do stylistically from my perspective because you know trying to bring anything back from the old days i, I think has always been kind of cool it is um, yes. and, and honestly i can i did get a record player and my favorite rap album, To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. I got those two things for my birthday. Um, Wait, I have a question. What's up? How do you pimp a butterfly? Do you like dip it in gold? Ask Kendrick. Honestly. Okay. okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even know what it means. I just I just like the songs. But okay. um, you know, my and I can I can speak from experience because I did grow up with the records because my dad has a whole record collection that he that he has. Really? Um, and he, yeah, he doesn't really break it out as much as he used to, but. Um, I, I have grown up listening to my fair share of vinyl records, and I can say that that you know, you know, if you have a vinyl record on and you're listening to it, you're actively paying attention and listening to it. It's a great, great experience because you not only feel like you're going back in time, the music actually sounds better. I don't know if that's any sort of placebo effect or anything like that. But they say it's warmer. It's like it is some, it is warmer. something like that. It I, feels more natural. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really prepared for that. So it's uh, it's a really good experience. So if any of you have vinyl records or record players, definitely break those out again. You and if anyone has time. Master of Puppets on vinyl, or I swear to God, or, I'm or, stealing it from you. Yes, or any <laughs> or, or, or or any of them Metallica records. Yes, uh, that actually brings us into music. And I'm finally I'm getting around to my favorite band of all time, which is Drumroll, please. 
Metallica. <laughs> um, yeah, so Metallica's been my favorite band. I used to listen to them all the time when I was a kid. Um, you know, my dad would play it all the time, so I've just grown up on it. Um, actually, me and my dad uh, are split on which is the best Metallica mm-hmm. record, but I'm going to be doing my favorite Metallica record, which is Master of Puppets, which is actually not the... It's not the number one. It's the number two um, rated best metal album of all time, still to this day. Oh, behind what? Uh, I, I can't remember, but it's number two has been like all these other stuff. I yeah. mean, not the best selling, yeah. but best because their best selling was the Black Album. Yeah. Um, but That's Master right. of Puppets is my favorite of all time. I'm not going to go in depth with every single song, but I think they've literally hit. I mean, if you're a metal fan, even if you're not, um, I think the lyrics, the production, uh, the. Um, how they compose the music like i sit there and think like oh my god like a human being has played this and came up with this in their head it's mm-hmm. so they have harmonics they have aggressiveness it's beautiful so i mean my favorite song on the album is master of puppets i mean it is just the heaviest song i think on there pretty much to me it's one of the hardest songs i play it all the time i've learned basically 99 percent of it um, I think it really just strikes emotionally. It's about drug addiction. And, like, the thing about the album is that, like, you really feel like these are true. Like, you feel his pain because he's actually going through it. He wrote the music. He wrote the lyrics. So these are experiences that James Hetfield, the lead singer, are feeling. And he's experiences. It's about coke. Like, he even has a lyric in there that says, Chop my breakfast on a mirror. So he was doing this 24-7. So you really connect with it. Not that, like, I'm doing drugs or something. But you just connect with the emotions of it. And that really goes out through the entire album and i even like the uh i love the song welcome home sanitarium Mm -hmm. and it's basically just about a guy who's insane who's going insane and you can actually feel in the lyrics you actually feel like oh my god this guy's going mentally crazy like he it's just really i think the album hits everything to a t i would say if you guys haven't listened to this album and you're living under a rock (laughs) or you're just thinking like oh metallica's dad music no metallica has built the platform that your other metal bands are standing on so i really just want to give a shout out to them and definitely take a look uh at them if you haven't already yeah and actually if i can touch on that for a second uh i I have another Metallica song for you guys really? uh, to listen to. For Whom Ooh. the Bell Tolls. Oh, Magnificent song. The also, the intro tolls. song to Zombieland, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, it is, right. it's, it's just fantastic. I, I jam to it sometimes. Uh, I don't even think Tony knows that, but now you know. Now um, I do. Look at that. Yeah, I'm so, coming in yeah, you know, to the I, metal scene. Yeah, oh, I, I like rap it. and hip-hop most, but I, you know, I, I have mad respect for rock and, and you know light metal music. I think it's good. All um, right, so. Yeah, yeah, what do you got for us, Kyle? Uh, not surprising here. Uh, rap music, Daily Dose, uh, or Weekly Dose, I should say. Um, so I've never referenced this rapper by name in any of our podcasts, but he has consistently been one of my favorites, and he's called uh, G-Eazy. Is that G-Hard? <laughs> G-Eazy, G-Medium, G uh, G-Hard. Yeah, G-Very G, G hard, hard, G-Expert, like you have to play a video game. Like in Injustice. <laughs> right, yes. Um, which you got it. Um, now... G Easy is a rapper from California. Uh, he was born in the late 1980s, so he's a relatively uh, young rapper. I don't even think he's uh, 30 yet. Um, I def- I describe his rapping style as more, um, you know, chill, 
kind of chill, but you can kind of vibe to it. You know, you can kind of party to it as uh, as well. He, he he kind of fits a lot of different styles, which I think is really good. Um, he he's got that really good kind of fresh West Coast sound, which is probably my favorite, arguably my favorite rap kind of style in my opinion. So that's why I'm kind of sympathetic towards G-Eazy's music. And he actually released a couple new singles uh, last week that I have really vibed to over the last uh, couple days. Uh, they are called uh, Nothing Wrong and Wave. I definitely recommend those songs. They are just kind of feel-good tunes. I, I feel like they're good for the summertime, you know, end of summer before heading back to school. Uh, feel like having a good time driving with the windows down. Definitely recommend these couple songs. Um, I just think G-Eazy is, is just a really good rapper because he kind of brings that chill element to things. He puts things into perspective. Um, you know, raps about, you know, daily struggles, but also raps about, you know, trying to just live the best life you can, which I think is a really good balance. So definitely recommend Nothing Wrong and Wave. He is releasing a new album in October, so, or potentially, maybe October, November. Ooh, scary. He did say fall. Yes, I'm really, I'm really, really pumped for it. Um, so hopefully those two singles, again, they're called Wave and Nothing Wrong. Wave and Nothing Wrong. Uh, hopefully they're on Wave and Nothing Wrong. Wave and Nothing Wrong. Uh, <laughs> studio album, hopefully they're on there. So, uh, you know, go on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you use and uh, definitely check out those two songs because I think they're worth your time. Yeah, I mean, actually, I'm, I've been sitting here and I was listening to you. I'm like, you know what? I listen, I dabble in rap. Like, so very, like, you know, mainstream and stuff like that. Like, very little. But, you know, that made me a little bit interested. So I actually might actually check out your yeah. music out for once. Definitely. All right. I'll, I'll check so, out the <laughs> Well, you already know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we're going to be moving on. Uh, we're going to be moving on. I guess some people we might consider it a sensitive subject or... I mean, I don't think it is, but, you know... Uh, it's it might, necessary. It's, do you think? It's yeah, I, it, it might be. So... Um, this is going to be for our thought of the day. We're out of the space, you yes, know. Yes. Um, so our thought of the day is just, um, it's going back a little political. It's going to be about the nuclear threats that North Korea has been making recently. Mm -hmm. um, my personal opinion on it is, you know, um, I don't think they're going to do anything. I think they're like a chihuahua trying to bark up a German Shepherd, you know. They're, they're barking up the wrong tree. I don't know what they're doing. I think, well, they've already even tested. They've been trying to get their nuclear warheads to go, like, far. Like, they've tried to shoot them out, and they just keep exploding. Like, they just fall apart in midair. So they haven't even had a real successful attempt um, I know that. All right, I think they've had, like, a couple, but not, like, enough well, not, to far. Well, yeah. Like, to get far. So, but they've been threatening, uh, I think it's Guam. Guam. Guam, and, which is a U.S. territory. And they don't want to do that. I mean, the one thing, I mean, even if you don't like Trump, I did see a press conference that he said, well, if North Korea, to, Korea keeps threatening us, that they're going to be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. And even if you don't like Trump, you don't like his policies, that's fine. But I think it, it makes me feel reassured as an American that we have uh, an aggressive president who's willing to... I don't know, protect the people who's willing not to like stand back and be like, oh, they're not going to do anything. Be like, no, you guys better stop. Otherwise, you're, you're going to be, you know, in trouble. So that's just my general viewpoint on it. I don't think they're going to do anything, but. Well, I, you know, I, I would, you know, and to that, I, I would say, you know, my personal opinion is I don't think they're going to do anything either. Right. I, yeah. I, I think that, you know, for, for so long, uh, even, even during the Obama administration, um, that country, um, would always, you know, be making, you know, these these really hardcore threats against our country. And, you know, as a little background information, I, I believe that 
that North Korea does not like the United States. In fact, I think really? they have a, well, no, no, hold on. I they they have a visceral hatred of us because of the fact that ever since the Korean War ended in the fifties, which my grandfather actually fought in, um, the the war actually never formally ended. There was only a ceasefire. That that was that was a thing between the North and the South. Ever since that moment, we have become allied. Great, we have become great friends with South Korea. But North Korea isolated themselves, and they became a effectively a a, a totalitarian state. They they really went south while South Korea went up. It's kind of it's kind yeah, of ironic how that worked. Now, you know they they've they've used powerful rhetoric against us before. They are led by a leader, Kim Jong Un, who has been extremely controversial. And, you know, that country is known for being one of the most isolated and violent countries against their own people in the world. But we, we as Americans, our government, I think, has to be careful with, with, what, we're, with what we're saying. Because even though that in, in, in a hypothetical battle or war or any, or any confrontation between us and North Korea, we would win. We, we, have, we have the military. We have the weapons that I think we, that are far that have far surpassed North Korea. Yeah, we're like the most advanced military. Oh yeah, no, most, yeah, most definitely. But you know, North Korea has, in recent weeks, according to some you know experts here, has actually perfected the art of attaching miniaturized nuclear weapons to ICBM missiles. Hmm. And I, I think it's it's interesting that they that they have done that. Even though I don't think that North Korea is serious about you know hitting any territory, because they know that if they were to hit anywhere near the U.S. territory of Guam, we would most likely retaliate against their country in a very devastating way. Yeah. But as Americans, we have to be careful. I, I think our government has to be careful, and and the reason why is because even though that we would have the advantage against North Korea, you know we we are a top dog in the world, and North Korea is is very very low on the totem pole in terms of international affairs how they're perceived as a country, how they're perceived as, as, as a people. And we don't, we don't want to keep talking such a huge game and you know, potentially tempt North Korea into something that they would do, like you know, doing the unthinkable of shooting a missile at the U.S. territory of Guam or 15, 20 miles off the coast like my article said it would go. I think, in my opinion, that we have to be very smart and very tactical about the situation. Because... We, we cannot we cannot threaten them so much where we leave smart diplomacy off the table okay. because we do not want to risk have any lives risk at all. I mean, I actually saw something just a few minutes ago popped up on my phone that Guam is already telling its people how to survive a nuclear attack. I and saw that. I it's saw it's that. it's very unsettling. It's very unsettling. It's very uneasy news. But my opinion is that in order for this resolution or for this to be resolved, we have to act through smart diplomacy through you know intelligent. Intelligent talks, not just threatening military action, because that just puts a strain on the two countries that are never going to get better. I, e even, I mean, it wasn't good under the Obama administration either, but it's it's never been good under any administration. You go back to Bush, um, uh, Clinton, Carter, Reagan, you know, presidents like that. It's never been good, but we don't want to make it worse because that just, in effect, it actually makes us look kind of bad. I uh, think. Well, I I agree with that. We have to be smart. But I think. I don't think uh, technically it was a threat what Trump said, but I think it was more or less of a warning. Like, well, what North Korea is doing—they're provoking us. They're trying to get us to strike first. And I was talking with my mom the other day. I'm like, you know what? I was thinking with her, and I'm, I have a point. I'm like, I I think we should 
hit, like if they keep doing it, I, I'm like I'm okay with us attacking first. Like you know you're not supposed to hit first. And I'm thinking about it, I'm like because I'm thinking of the point of view. I'm like I don't want it to first like you have to kill Americans first and then we attack because I don't want anyone getting hurt. And I we can agree on that. Yeah. I don't want anyone getting hurt of the American people, and I don't even want innocent people in North Korea getting hurt. Yeah, that was my that's, next point. That was my next that's point. the big thing. But the problem is their dictator is putting that all of them in jeopardy and they can't leave. But I rethought about it and I'm like, you know what? There comes a point where you can't just do that. You can't just attack first because it's just going to cause a big problem. We don't want to be the cause for World War Three because then exactly. we, even though we're right, we technically look like the bad guys. Exactly. So because unfortunately, we, we, yeah, because we, we were the aggressors. Right. Unfortunately, I don't like it, but it, it seems like we actually have to wait for an attack. Now that being said, if they shoot a missile at us, I believe we have missile defense systems. Yes. It's, so it's it's it's, it's like, called that. It was it was um it was the acronym is T. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you. It's, no, it was uh. T-H-A-D-D it's a highly specialized military defense weapon that we have I believe it's off the coast of or like, I, I isn't forgot. it like over by California like, don't we so. have yeah, it around West coast. Yeah. well we have it everywhere just in case anyone were to attack yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. so like, even if they were it's like they're going to shoot it we're going to be like Okay, we blow it up, and then we're like, okay, now you tried to fire on us. Now we can retaliate well, yeah, without them hitting us. So I think that would be the best way to go about it. But I think what Trump said, if he doesn't say anything stupid, because that wasn't stupid what he said. He's like, I'm warning you. Like if you're like, if you come to me like, hey, I'm gonna. If you keep telling me you're gonna punch me in the face, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, dude, if you punch me in the face, I'm gonna hit you back. Like so, I think it's like a warning. Like, dude, don't do it. So I liked the I, I warning. Think it, 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 it was a warning that he gave. I think it. I think it went over the line. I, I think it. Really? I think. It, well, yeah. Be, just just because we don't know for sure how serious they actually are. I mean, they they could be, they the could be bluffing. I think that. I think that we we have to be we we have to, we have to be, the you know we uh, I don't even know what I'm saying. We have to be the the. The bigger country. Yes, the bigger country. You know, the bigger people in the room. We have to make sure that we're acting out of smart diplomacy. But we also have to protect our people. True. I just I don't believe that North Korea is is, is going to do anything. It, it is uneasy. It's an unsettling feeling. We won't have to wait long though, because actually um, North Korea said that they were going to uh, try to I think plan out something for the middle of August, uh, and they would await uh, Kim Jong Un's orders. So it's August eleventh. Why would you tell your enemy when you're gonna do it? Well, like, it, it was probably I have no is. idea how that even got out. But I'm just saying, my from you know, just to make a long story short, it's an unsettling thing that that North Korea is saying. But we we have to not fall in the trap of them provoking us and making them and making them feel like that they can get the or like that they can take advantage of us. Because in I the agree. end, that's just gonna make us look bad on the world stage. And we we have to be smarter about things, even though I think I believe North Korea is not going to do anything. I I agree. I think we do have to be smart. Uh, I mean, there's a couple things about it we don't agree about, like what Trump said. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think they were going to do anything. But so if there's something we agree on, basically completely right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that. So much. I just think they're just trying to provoke us. So yeah. that's right. But um, is there anything else you have left to say? Uh, no, I think that was it. Just just make sure that you're following that news because it, it is probably going to dominate the headlines for yeah. the next you know couple of weeks. So. Yeah. So just make sure you're paying attention to that. Yeah, so thank you guys for tuning in. That was our thought of the day. Again, tell us what you think on Twitter, Instagram, uh, even Facebook. You can just post to me or
for Kyle. Um, we really want to hear what you guys have to think about that. What do you think? Do you think we're in any real danger? Um, me and Kyle I don't really think so. We think they're bluffing. Uh, but definitely tell us what you think and give us a follow. But otherwise, I'm Tony Tedisco. I'm Kyle Tucker. This is Millennial Perspectives.